we started this to be able to talk about the biggest fights, the most earth-shattering events, and the spectacle of MMA just in and of itself in all its glory. We started doing this just so we can talk about the big moments, just moments in time in MMA history that make us go, oh my God, that happened. And UFC 244 is promising to be the best card, my friend, of the year. And I mean, according to how it goes and how it plays out and how what the quality of the fights is, could be one of the best cards ever assembled. Because from top to bottom, it has fighters who are unique in their presentation because they aren't just a good fighter or they aren't just good fighters. They, they aren't just an as assembly of really good MMA fighters. It is ultimately people who come to fight and that is what the theme of this card is and this is going to be one spectacle of a card this is the fourth episode of the way and brought to you by on the mic with me as always Badr Ali my friend what a card this Dude, Saturday UFC 244 and you know you were mentioning how these fighters are at their peak how these fighters are at a completely you know it's a distinctive point in MMA history and I think one of those one of those ideas that really you know promotes this is that you now have the bmf title it's something unique it's something that no other organization has thought of it's something that was a fictitious concept up until dana said that hey i'm gonna make a belt out of it and now it's the first time this kind of event is happening it's in the biggest stadium in america you i know, mean not in terms of numbers but i think yeah, in terms of value the most important yeah stadium i yeah. think in all of the U.S. and maybe even the world, the most popular for sure, Madison Square Garden. Now, the relevance of this card, at least in terms of the things that are being promoted and how they're being promoted by the UFC, first of all, never in the history of the UFC, <clears throat> like you said, has there been now technically two belts in one weight division. That's something to think about. Yeah. Ultimately, this isn't a weight division belt. It doesn't necessarily prove that this guy is the champion of a certain weight division. We know it means something altogether. But now if you think about it, there really are two different champions round about the same weight, which then brings the question in, is this their way of introducing the 165-pound division? Or is this their way of adding more concrete titles to maybe deciding pound for pound? Yeah. I mean, see, this is, but but see, the existence of this belt is more predicated on something a little more holistic in terms of fight style. Yeah. So for those of you watching who aren't as well acquainted by with mixed martial arts, there's different disciplines to the sport. You can be a wrestler, you can be a grappler, you can be a striker, you can be a so on and so forth. But this belt essentially encapsulates somebody who isn't necessarily a striker or a Muay Thai guy, but somebody who brings a certain energy, a certain fight style, and a certain intention to the cage every time they step in, which is to go in there, kill or be killed. This fight isn't going to be won. It's going to be fought, basically. I feel like this is like the formalized conclusion <clears throat> Sorry, about what Eddie Alvarez was trying to do. Yeah. So with the most violent man on the planet title. Point, yeah. yeah. So I think that was the kind of gimmick that they went with because they knew that that was selling. And now there are people that do claim to be the most violent man on the planet. Now they're going to be people that claim to be the baddest mother effer on the planet. Yeah. And that's all because of this one fight, this yeah. pivotal fight that's going to take place on Saturday. And you know what? Themes and marketing, ladies and gentlemen, tell you everything that you need to know about a card and how it's being promoted. What we need to keep in mind is that this started all 
not by some UFC PR machine churning out ideas in a creative process meeting. No, 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 no. This started when Nate Diaz uttered the words, I want to defend this belt that I have just won. Yeah. When we heard this, we thought we, but Nate's he's, he's crazy. too punch drunk to even yeah, yeah. be able to comprehend anything. But it was an idea that he came up with. He said he wants to defend the belt of being the baddest motherfucker against another guy who he thinks is really real in Jorge Masvidal. Two guys who essentially come from an aura and a vibe, give out that kind of aura and vibe that they're street boys, that they're not necessarily the corporate world entities created by the UFC or any other marketing organization. It's simply them <clears throat> coming from the streets to fight and that's all they know. If you look at the poster of the UFC 244 card, it's Masvidal versus Diaz in straight out of Compton font. Um, they're trying to sell that market essentially and I think it's a very appropriate, very realistic. Um, it's not a stretch by any means of anyone's imagination. These guys really are all that and some and I think it's going to be super exciting to see these two absolute gangsters <laughs> go at it. Okay, so let's get down to business. Where do you see this fight going? All right, so ultimately I think between Jorge and Nate, both guys, it's so interesting statistics, right? 78 fights combined. For both these guys, right? Um, only 38 finishes, though. I mean, wins or losses. 38 times their combined fights have finished. That's way less um, than, I think, half, which my maths, again, is not the best. Um, but ultimately, uh, is that is 38 less than the half of 74? What's the half of 74, Homer? Is it? It's 37. 37? Yeah. Oh, boom. Just one over the, <laughs> the half. So more than half Quick of their man. fights, or just half of their fights, let's oh. say, have finished. Uh, every other fight has gone the distance. So I think this is, fight's going to also have a pattern. These guys aren't necessarily finishers or explosive power punchers. Maybe Jorge more than Nate, in my opinion. But ultimately, these guys are fighters who are willing to go the distance. So I think Nate Diaz is superior far superior grappling skills his ability to wrestle his opponents when needed or if not wrestle at least put him in those clinch positions that are uncomfortable against the cage he puts them against the cage he beats them up for a bit makes him tired nate diaz <clears throat> can go for days this is a five-round fight this is his element i think his superior grappling and his ability to not get hurt so easily because the only thing Jorge, in my opinion can rely on in this fight to beat nate is a power punch or a big shot that can get Nate Diaz hurt. That doesn't happen in my book, especially after three years off, no brain damage. I think Nate Diaz takes this one easy. I think he doesn't finish him, but he takes him the distance. He scares him with a few submissions here and there. Um, other than that, I think, yeah, Nate Diaz pretty much takes his fight. What do you think? Okay, so for me, skill set-wise, I feel like skill sets are only relevant in terms of where the fight goes. So I don't see this fight going to the ground whatsoever because I feel like both guys kind of want to stay true to themselves and want to stay on the feet. Like, obviously, See, Masvidal has nothing to make him go to the feet. He has no reason to. But Nate, but Nate does. Yeah, yeah sorry, to the ground. And uh, Nate does because Nate has that jujitsu that he always has his back foot on and he can always rely on. But if the fight does stay standing, because I feel like Nate is going to do what you said, which is hold him up against the cage, drain his energy, land some strikes from the pocket, keep him clinched up. But I feel like in that situation, when they're in and out, of the pocket, that's when Masvidal is going to strike him. I feel like Masvidal has that knockout power. If you compare it with Nate, Nate does not have the same level of striking power that Masvidal has. And I feel like Masvidal is going to find the opening and take his chance. And I think that Masvidal, my pick at least, is Masvidal via second round TKO. Right. So I disagree with you here simply on the, and of course, agree to, uh, agree to disagree. We're going to be watching the fights together. Uh, I'm really hoping Nate wins so I can rub it in your face. But ultimately, 
Um, I think even though you're right, this fight will remain standing to a very large degree because both guys would want that to happen. But if you look at any of Nate Diaz's fights, um, let's look at the Anthony Pettis fight as an example, right? The Anthony Pettis fight, you expected what? Fireworks, all of that, and it delivered. The fight was really good, but it was ultimately a dominant performance by Nate because he was able to pick when he wants to box with the guy and when he wants to simply hold him up against the cage and work, work, work. Nate Diaz is an output fighter. He's not a KO fighter. You're right about that. But ultimately, I think when it comes to the output binary between Jorge Masvidal, Nate Diaz, and who can do better, I think in that situation, um, the binary close inside the cage, which is their fight skills, goes in favor of Nate because I think he's always going to be able to work, outwork him ultimately and also be able to be threatening enough to finish him if the fight ever ends up on the ground. I think there is a large, large likelihood with the amount of trips Nate Diaz uses, with the amount of, you know, the complete skill set that he brings to the octagon, yeah. I think ultimately gives him the win. So my prediction for this fight, Nate Diaz. All right, then. Maybe we'll find out finally. Because honestly, in my opinion, I don't think this fight is going to go to the ground. And even if it does, Masvidal can hold his own on the ground as well. Um, I don't think that Nate necessarily is going to be able to completely neutralize Masvidal because what you um, I think kind of are overlooking is that Nate Diaz can strike for days but at the same time Masvidal can counter strike for days yeah no I'm not I'm not counting him out one bit I still think the fight can definitely go either way Masvidal's proved me wrong twice I <clears throat> I didn't think he was going to be able to uh, knockout Darren Till. I didn't think it would go longer than decision. I gave the knockout advantage to Darren Till. Proved me wrong. Then I thought Ben Askren was going to be able to come out with a good enough game plan, good enough wrestling uh, and grappling edge like I'm giving Nate. And then he surprised me with a <laughs> freaking <laughs> with flying <that. laughs> knee. Yeah, that flying knee, which is the fastest UFC knockout. Not title fight, not anything that would limit the statistic. Just the pure statistic in and of itself. What is it? Five seconds? Four seconds? Five, right? Yeah. We should know this. Five seconds. Five seconds. Or is it four? Who knows? Five seconds. Definitely five seconds. Yeah, I just remembered. Five-second knockout. I don't think it's going to be beat. Um, it was really two seconds. Like, it was literally yeah. from the point where he left the side of the cage to meet him at the center, and boom, that fight was over. They didn't even meet at the center, man. It was just... Masvidal just took, like, two steps forward, and then all of a sudden just... Yeah, it was all over. It was yeah. insane. But, yeah, this is what this fight is. And this fight alone is bringing in so much press so much coverage, so much attention to the sport. Ladies and gentlemen, in case you haven't heard, you are hearing this from me now. Um, in case you live under a rock, you haven't heard. But if you haven't, here it is. Donald Trump is going <laughs> to be at the event. UFC 244, the VIP is Donald J. Trump, the president of the... <sighs> most interesting country in the world. Um, and also... Uh, on top of that, Dwayne. <laughs> yeah, and this, this is where it Dwayne! gets. This is where it gets hilarious because you would expect Donald Donald. John <laughs> you would expect Donald Trump to be the one wrapping the belt around either winner's waist, but it isn't because The Rock just stood up him. Yo, okay, don't. <laughs> Say that to me as if that's a good thing, man. I'm sick of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I've had enough of this man. He was my hero when I was growing up as a kid. All right, I love this guy. He used to wear his t-shirt, had the action figure. He used to always win, beat all the other action figures. All of that is true. Dwayne Johnson is a very important part. The Rock is a very important part of my life. But this animal that wrestling fans mm. like I have created, this guy is running circles around Hollywood like it's nothing. He's in every movie, every Instagram post is about him breaking some kind of a record. 
some record in some country some box office i've had enough but you know what <laughs> you know what the good thing is the fact that he's doing all of that and making things and making my life harder as a person who enjoys movies and you look at omar fazi like he's the rock <laughs> <laughs> you're so angry at him <laughs> it's you <laughs> omar fazi it's you no but listen it's good cuz they got the rock to come not only get interested in this event right they got him to <laughs> up grow up right <laughs> he got him to come to the event and he's wrapping the belt around the winner yes <laughs> like that is very good cuz now a lot of casuals are going to come in and I, this is really shaping up to be one of the biggest most important mma cards ever but one last time man fuck dwayne johnson i had enough yeah, of that guy i agree with you i agree with you <laughs> but that out for me. yeah okay thank the, you <laughs> the only thing i don't agree with is that maybe you don't hate him maybe you're kind of jealous of him maybe i'm in way. love with him maybe <laughs> i just want Dwayne Johnson out of myself. <laughs> Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> But yeah, that's Dwayne Johnson coming to you at UFC 244. But you know who's better? The fact that it's better that Kelvin Gastelum and Darren Taylor are coming. You I don't care. You know who's better? <laughs> <laughs> Kelvin Gastelum, that's who. Yeah, honestly. Honestly, G- I couldn't care less about The Rock, man. Like, he's just, a, he's just a wrestler that went to Hollywood and now he's really big and he's breaking records. and Big, like, physically too. And big in terms of social media prowess. But who else is a big boy? My boy, KG, Kelvin Gastelum. Man, I love this guy. Um, and I really think... uh that this fight is going to be the one that steals the show because i think everybody's forgetting that Jorge Nate is still a fight and it is for a belt and it is for a first time something um this fight Kevin Gass and Darren Till two guys who have a lot to lose but nothing to lose all at the same time they're coming off very interesting career trajectories um forever they from wherever they were beforehand and this is the fight this is the fight that things can steal the show tell me about this fight so um in my mind there are a lot of different angles to this so one of them is that these are two people that are distinctly working together at working together what are you working mean? together yeah. <laughs> stop sure. distracting me man. no go ahead go ahead yeah. yeah but these are two fighters that are both coming off losses i mean darren till is probably in a worse ditch than uh, than gaslam as yeah. gaslam only lost to israel yeah. but both of these fighters have something to prove for the middleweight division on top of that gastelum did the exact same transition that darren till is now going through which is from welterweight to middleweight and then on top of that they both have a i'd say kind of similar fight style in terms of them being really able to find the distance understand it maybe get into the pocket and land that one big strike or even consistently keep hammering away so where do you think this fight's going to go well I'm not too particularly sure but I don't think either person is going to get the better of the other person. Um the I think draw. <laughs> are you <laughs> no, predicting that, a draw? <laughs> so there's going to be no finishes. I think okay. that this fight goes to a decision and sure. I think Aslam wins it. All right, that's fair enough. I um I'm not sure whether this fight's going to go on decision or knockout so I'm not going to make that call. Uh it's a bit too ambitious. Here's the thing. Um this fight is a story right every fight is a story um but more than that some fights uh carry the character of the human being in them the human being that we all are right um and one of the stories and aspects of the human being that is mankind is comebacks and being able to deal with adversity and move forward with your held head held high um and i think one of these fighters has proven to be somebody who is so durable 
in terms of their career longevity, but also in terms of their ability to adapt to different circumstances. Calvin Gastelum moved up from welterweight to middleweight, beat Tim Kennedy, uh, beat some other impressive welterweight, uh, middleweights, and then at a point said, I don't know if I can knock out guys like Luke Rockhold. I might as well just go down to welterweight. He said that. He wasn't sure if he could do it. Now this guy's been on the on top of the heap at middleweight for so long because he's able to come back from defeat after defeat. Not long ago, he was knocked out or he was finished by Chris Weidman. And now he just came off a crazy, crazy fight for the interim title. And I think he definitely is in the right head state or state of mind in his head, whatever you want to call it, um, as he's going into this fight with Darren Till, right? Now, Darren Till, on the other hand, now, this is where the drama and the fight definitely comes in. Darren Till is somebody right now who is dealing with the first two losses of his career, and they've both come back-to-back in devastating manner. The second, the first fight against Tyron Woodley is just hard to watch because he's getting pummeled on the ground. He has no answer. He didn't throw a string, single strike in that round, the round he was finished. The second fight against Jorge Masvidal is in London. And he gets knocked down from his own people. This is really the story of Darren Till. And whether he can deal with such adversity, which is, because he was undefeated before this as well. He was untouched before this. Maybe a draw, but he was, he was always on the upward trend. How does he deal with this? His mindset seems to be the sort where he says, I don't care. Even if I lose three times in a row, I'm still going to go fight. It's a good mindset to have. But is he really come to terms with the fact that this has happened to him twice? I don't think it has. I don't even if it has. I don't think this is enough of a jump to make against somebody like KG, who has been on top of the middleweight division for so long and he's comfortable there. So I think Kelvin Gastelum definitely takes his fight easily. Um, could go a decision, but I could be wrong. But I just don't think that if you're moving up a weight class when you're Darren Till, you shouldn't go after somebody like Kelvin Gastelum, who's been there in the division for so long, well-established. My prediction, Kelvin Gastelum. So so we agree on that one. Yeah, we agree <coughs> on that one. But do you really think that Darren Till's ready to not only move up a weight class, but also challenge somebody like Kelvin Gastelum? I don't think it's a question about him being ready to move up at this point because weight cuts have been getting increasingly hard. And so for it's like a debatable thing whether or not going up a weight class or going down a weight class affects performance. But with Darren Till, it's really clear. He gets drained, man. Have you seen those videos of him just like practically just dying slowly yeah. while he's dehydrated, while he hasn't had food? And that takes a toll on you before a fight. Even though you get a day after the weigh-in more or less to recover, that doesn't really fix things so i feel like darren till for his own capabilities as an athlete does need to move up a weight class and i think he's he's ready for this challenge because he was undefeated before this like you said and coming off two losses at welterweight that just shows that welterweight wasn't a fit for him middleweight could be so i don't think he has to start new and start off with a lower contender i think kevin gaslam is the perfect matchup for him but you're picking him to lose yeah. So shouldn't he get a <laughs> easier that, fight than perhaps well, Kevin Gaslam? So out like the bat? matchmaking and then predicting. Or do you think he's just done? <laughs> <laughs> no, of course he's not done. So matchmaking and then predicting fights, I feel like are two very separate things. So I could think that a fight needs to be booked, but I could pick a completely different person to win based on their matchup yeah, against no, that, one that, another. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I agree. But at the same time, I do think um, that. Darren Tell could surprise us because honestly, Obviously. I'm not sure how much the weight cut was a contributing factor in his losses. Um, I mean, he looked okay at the weight. We knew he was cutting a lot, but 
ultimately i think it really does come down to um the weight and i think if he is if he feels fine if all that is true i still think there is a chance he beats him obviously it's very bold to make a prediction in a sport like mixed martial arts where you anything can happen anytime yeah. anybody can show up on any day and kelvin said this himself on one of the embedded episodes um that is i've had really bad training camps and i've won fights and i've had really good training camps and i've lost fights so it's very unpredictable the sport um i think darren till if he wins it'll be by ma- maintaining the distance using his uh, ones and twos to kind of hurt him and then really using the elbows and the, his other muay thai techniques uh, to finish him if he wins but i i just think gaslum's boxing is superior i think he's going to be able to be there when he needs to be and i think he's also going to incorporate some wrestling um so altogether yeah i guess come gaslum does take that one Well, let's see. We could be wrong. This is really risky stuff, by the way. We're really putting ourselves on the line. But I think this is what we <coughs> need to do. Yeah, it's part of the job, Screw man. Screw it. Yeah, we <laughs> every single card, we're going to make predictions. Um, and the next fight, of course, Steven Thompson versus Vincente Luque. All right. How do you see this going? Vincente Luque is an absolute beast, right? Let's just yeah. establish that yeah. right off the bat. Last three fights. Last three fights. <laughs> last three <laughs> fights, Vincente Luque is Brian Barberina. um Derek Krantz Mike Berry right the Brian Barbrina fight I think this was um in the Israel Adesanya Anderson Silva card dude that fight was insane like those guys isn't he fighting for like what the second time in two months yeah like he just fought yeah he just fought Mike Berry a few cards ago and he fought I think uh Brian Barbrina at the start of the year Brian Barbrina basically was like the welterweight bulked up Diaz brother that we never knew of doesn't look like Marine thing but fight like uh, fights like them right hands down um overextends a little bit but he has that shoulder control uh going or whatever that's called slip shoulder whatever. roll shoulder roll there we go shoulder control <laughs> <laughs> shoulder roll going and what not um but anyway it was a good fight stylistically because it looked like that but Luke <clears throat> absorbed a lot of punishment throughout the fight um and what i noticed from that fight was he's really durable he took heavy shots gave heavy shots both these guys were durable Luke came out the winner. Then Derek Krantz, yeah. he knocked him out. Mike Perry went three rounds. Ultimately, what I'm trying to say is Luke is very good. The silent assassin is very underrated. I think this is going to be an amazing fight. Yeah. Um, and he's extremely durable and he's a high-quality MMA fighter. He's very good in all aspects of the game, even the ground, mm-hmm. even the strike. There's a reason they call him the silent assassin. Like, he's just so calm in the pocket. I mean, the other person could be... Ra- like Mike Perry, he was raining down on him and he would just take that one clean left hook. And it was... It's pretty incredible to see someone um, like Vincente Luque because he's someone that a lot of casuals don't know about. Yeah. But if you look at his fight style and everything, he's so complete, so well-rounded because he uses his footwork in a way where he kind of backs you up against the fence and he uses his footwork and keeps throwing in these these just strikes to keep you going and to just keep you pushed back and then just keeps applying pressure. But one hole that I've kind of noticed in his game is that he... he leaves himself open to strikes so most fighters would kind of move around and they would move their head to avoid strikes but he will just block them straight yeah. up he's not one to like shy away from taking hits and he I squares up a little yeah, yeah he squares he up a bit yeah. and then like he starts taking hit of course he can take them on the forearm and that's going to lessen the the hit but it's still damage i feel like there's still a massive <laughs> there's still a massive <laughs> in the way that he conducts himself in the octagon and i feel like someone like Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He 
is a master of getting out of like any sort of situation where he's backed up yeah. because against Woodley that was Woodley's game plan as well back him up against the cage and you know even against Darrentel that's what Darrentel kept trying to do which was get him against the cage and then when he has nowhere to go but Stephen Wonderboy Thompson gets out of those situations yeah. I feel like this is going to be that moment for Luke where he's going to learn to avoid strikes and to get out of distance because a forearm cannot stop Stephen Thompson. Yeah. Like if he catches you clean, if you try to stay close to him, if you don't get that distance, I feel like that's why um Thompson's going to take this. I feel like not in the first round, maybe in the second round or the third round. Third round. Third round KO Wonderboy. Right. So Vincente Luque, obviously, we've talked about. Stephen Thompson is coming off two losses to Dan Till in Liverpool and then uh, Anthony Pettis when Pettis shook up the world and just not... I mean, what a difference two fights makes, right? Yeah. Dan Till was the perennial, you know, guy who's going to fight Tyron Woodley forever because they had two fights. The first one was close um, and the second one was also You mean close. Wonder Boy? Yeah, Wonder Boy, sorry. Uh, Wonder Boy is coming off two... Uh, losses before that he was the guy who was constantly fighting Darren Woodley and it looked as if he would have to fight him a third time if he beats Till but then he loses to Till then he loses to Pettis and now he's so far down the rankings um, it's definitely in my opinion make or break for him for that reason uh, he's coming off those two losses uh, but I still think Thompson's going to be good enough because I think there's a difference between fighting Brian Barberina uh, Derek Krantz and then Mike Perry and then jumping all the way to Stephen Thompson yeah. who's been at the top of the division. This guy's beat Rory McDonald, right? This guy's beat uh, Johnny Hendricks when Johnny Hendricks was still, you know, alive. And before uh, Paulo Costa. Yeah, before Paulo Costa and before a few other fights, I think, as well, pretty early on. Um, mm. But ultimately, Stephen Thompson, I think, is good enough uh, for this task and I think he's going to win a decision because I think it's just going to be too evasive uh, and Luke is not going to be creative enough, at least I think that's what's going to happen uh, in this fight. So I pick Stephen Thompson. Um, right. This next fight is very interesting for me, and I'm surprised it's the headliner for uh, the undercard. Yeah, the undercard. But you know what? It's uh, yeah. I mean, Dana White once once explained this that the fighters who are headlining the undercard are, are you know very important because they're promoting the undercard separately from the main card. So those guys are the feature attraction that then get and a lot of marketing and a lot of money and basically PR and you know, getting the word across, goes into these fighters respectively. So sometimes when people say, yo, why was Frankie Edgar headlining the undercard at whatever event? Uh, then you say it's because, you know, that doesn't happen anymore, mm -hmm. but it used to happen. Um, this fight, Corey Anderson versus Johnny Walker, is so crucial for the UFC light heavyweight division uh, for a lot of reasons, right? US, uh, sorry, Johnny Walker's average UFC fight time is 56 seconds. That means this guy does not let a fight go more than a minute in <coughs> three out of his three fights, all three KOs, right? Misha Serkinov, 38 seconds. Let me just run that yeah. down for real quick, right? Johnny Walker beat Khalil Roundtree Jr. in a minute 57. Justin Ledette in 15 seconds via Ooh. spinning back fist. Misha Serkinov with a 48-second flying knee at UFC 235, which was a headline by Jones and Anthony Smith. Um yeah, this guy has got a rocket ship up his ass, so to speak. Um, and he's all the way going to the top uh, to get a fight against John Jones. Everybody's calling for a fight against John Jones now because everybody in the light heavyweight division realizes there's no direct or straight contender. You know what I mean? So these guys essentially both are vying for a title shot. Do you think they get it? If either of them win? That's a very good question. <clears throat> now we have Dominic Reyes in the mix as well. Yeah. Um, we have talks of uh, John Jones saying he would go fight Stipe at heavyweight. I think that's more of just, you know, him 
trying just, to rub it in DC's face. Just getting back in the gossip grind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's true. Maybe That's he's just doing that going. to keep himself relevant. Yeah. yeah. Then there's whole Israel Adesanya bullshit uh, going on. But Dominic Reyes is a good contender. I think Johnny Walker... Uh, with one win over Corey Anderson should not get a title shot immediately because uh, I think there's still guys like Anthony Smith and, uh, you know, Thiago Santos and like a, f- a few other, the new batch of, you know, middleweight high rankers that he could perhaps go through, not because mm-hmm. he might not deserve it, uh, might deserve it, but he might just not be ready for it. Um, so I think three wins and a win over Corey Anderson is good, but I don't know if it's, you know, he they should push him to go ahead and fight uh, John Jones. I think Dominic Reyes is perhaps a better option uh, than that. Corey Anderson, however, um, and I'll let you talk just in a second. I'm really sorry. Corey Anderson's beat Pat Cummins, Glover Teixeira, Lear Latifi, all by unanimous decision, right? And the perception right now is that Corey Anderson is trying to forcefully insert himself into the title picture with John Jones because he goes to these press events and he starts picking fights. The reality, however, my friend, in my opinion, is that he's been competing at a very high level for a long time right his four losses the only four losses on his record are against very good guys like osp manua uh shogun hua and gian Vellante. right not very good guys but these guys are good and they've been on top of the heap for a very long time are either of these guys ready for john jones i don't think so i don't think so either yeah what do you think about this fight um well i don't know man i feel like in terms of how these two fighters line up against one another Corey anderson like every card has to have one wrestling match (laughs) there will be one fight that is based off of one person trying to get the other person to the ground maybe keeping them there and then winning the fight from a decision i just feel like this is going to be that fight so i have Corey anderson winning by decision Uh, i i think uh johnny walker is going to be way too creative um especially exploiting uh the entries Corey anderson is going to want to do right um and i think johnny walker just generally is very creative he's he has those bursts um, and he's just such an so much fun to watch. He's, he's all seems like such a cool dude. But that's beside the point. <laughs> I want to be friends with yeah, him. I want to be friends with him. He has such a hey, cool Johnny name. Walker. <laughs> Johnny Walker is a nice name. Wait, isn't that used yeah. for something? What is that used for? The I chips, think. right? Walkers. No alcohol. Yeah. Thank you, Murphy. <laughs> anyway, um, so <laughs> are either these guys ready for John Jones? No, but between between the two, I think Johnny Walker is definitely gonna. And I think Johnny Walker, one more win after this, and he should get John Jones. Not yet, uh, but I love that fight. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Corey Anderson's no slouch. No sleep on Corey Anderson, but I still think Johnny Walker gets the win. How? I don't know. Why? Because Johnny Walker. <laughs> I mean, 56 seconds average fight time, right? That was yeah. the stat. So that's pretty crazy if you present it as something that, wow, he can finish someone in a minute on yeah, average. Or less. But at the same time, yeah, exactly. But then at the same time, doesn't it also tell you that this person's never gone the distance or even been close to be having their gas tank tested? Yeah. Yeah, and Corey he's a big dude. And Corey Anderson is last three fights, all unanimous decisions. He knows what it's like to go 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I don't know. We're going to disagree, disagree on this one? Just, yeah, I think we're going to yeah. disagree on this. That's fine. Um, you can you can still be my friend. Derek Lewis, Blagoy Ivanov. I love this fight. Blagoy is 2-1 in his last three. He's lost to Junior Dos Santos. Bounced back with two wins over Brian. Ben Rothwell and Tai Tuiwasa, but he's 32 years old. Derek Lewis, his balls are still hot. Um, that was amazing. <laughs> his back. <laughs> it's still his back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was after one of his 
I had to take a number it two. It was against. Uh, <laughs> it, I think it was against Engano. Yeah. We're in the post film. The oh. my back, my back. <laughs> <laughs> it hurt a lot. My back. <laughs> I love Derek Lewis. I think Derek Lewis gets this win. Um, he's. He's pretty, um, so far at least, on an upward trend. Of course, he fought Daniel Cormier. What do you think is going to happen, right? What, but <laughs> what I think is important in this fight <clears throat> is that Derek Lewis shows us that he's working on his conditioning, that he's taking this seriously for a very long time. Derek Lewis does not give a shit about what he looks like, how big he is going into a fight, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and now what I need to see from him is improvements in terms of his cardiovascular, in terms of how much he's weighing, how healthy he looks. Um, but I still think, regardless of what it is on the day, Derek Lewis gets to win against Black Ivanov. It's going to be a pretty straightforward fight. I think Derek Lewis is going to knock him out at some point. What do you think? Well, I'd agree. I feel like Derek Lewis has kind of... Like, so people have started doubting him again. I don't understand why this trend began again, but I feel like Derek Lewis is going to take him uh, either in the first round or the second round. Man, this is a very good card. Yeah. Like, I cannot... Possibly, f- and we didn't even get a chance to discuss Kevin Lee versus Gregory. 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 Yeah. yeah, my God, that is such a good fight as well, dude. These all of these fights are fights made in uh, MMA heaven because all of these fights are either very important in terms of the rankings, very important in terms of where the trajectory of the divisions are going, or just really good in terms of you know the fact that these are guys who are coming out, all of them to fight, put on a show, and steal the show. This card is the best card of the year on paper now what can yeah now what please can we make do? weight <laughs> <laughs> now we all need to pray omar put your put your hand yeah thank you um listen man <laughs> i've gone through way too much in my life with this three khabib versus tony ferguson matchups so much has been canceled just the start of this week was get scared with that. nadia's god man put your fingers back up what do you <laughs> listen man we <laughs> That was so, <laughs> okay, no, no. That was so freaky, man. And like, I just found out the way that any, like the way that it was set up, the way to, the way that it was meant to happen. Nate Diaz, Instagram just posted, I don't know what's happening. I'm not going to New York. <laughs> they asked I'm, me to be I'm, silent. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to know until um, they sort this out. <laughs> That's more Nick. Actually, no, we're not doing any impressions. Please just Please. make weight, show up. Uh, yeah, that's don't that's trip all. on a wire, Nobody. don't sneeze your back out, Nobody. all of that yeah. stuff. Every single person, if they make weight, if this is on, promises to be the best card in history on paper. But here's the thing these cards can go the other way. I don't want to jinx it. We're excited. We hope you're excited. Everybody, watch UFC 244. Tell us in the comments what you thought about the card when it happens. Comes back. Come back and watch this video again after the fact and see if we got them right or wrong and um, make fun of us or don't. We'll um, be making fun of each other. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's <laughs> going to happen. Episode. But hey, this is mixed martial arts. This is the beautiful sport. We are fans of it. We're all very happy for it. This is going to be the most exciting weekend as an MMA fan. We hope you're watching. We hope you're staying tuned. Until after UFC 244, sayonara. <clears throat> that's, that's not my outro. Yeah. <sighs> you could have just gone with the... Like the, the Thank standard. You. Thank yeah. you. Goodbye. Like, oh, we're running out of storage. Oh my God! That's my outro. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! And start playing the lo-fi music now. You're never gonna listen to me. You. Never gonna listen to me. <laughs> 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 Why? How did it survive? Oh, okay? it's it's all right. It's all right. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> 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 